And thank you very much for tuning in to this recap podcast for the All Blacks second test against the Wallabies or the second Bidisla Cup test where the Wallabies got thumped 57 points to 22 by a slicker All Blacks outfit than what we saw last week. But yeah, I'm still not entirely convinced, but I'll, I'll hold my piece and throw the mic to you, my friend, uh, Nick Mannix. What did you make of what you saw on Saturday night? Yeah, kia ora, Jordan. Um, yeah. A week after the first Blizzard Cup match, oh yeah, very pleased, especially with um, a bit of question marks after that first test. You know, what, what, what were the All Blacks going to come out? How are they going to come out and um, respond to, you know, a pretty average performance first up? But um, yeah, really turned it on on Saturday night and pretty impressive performance, I thought. Um, first half was quite tight. You know, Aussie really brought it to us, and um, I was really impressed with how we held a held a line, held a def- defensive line. Sorry, and um, come second half, yeah, it was a bit of a blowout. I thought, you know, Aussies were in for a chance, especially with Adi Savia going off the yellow card, and um, you know, Aussie was twenty one fifteen down, one man in the bin for the All Blacks. So I thought, yeah, it was a really good chance for them to get back into the game, if not you know take the lead and stuff, but. Uh, sort of blew their chances and yeah all blacks really capitalized on their mistakes so um yeah didn't didn't show any mercy and um yeah mm. which which was which is quite surprising given the way that the weather turned in that second half it started to rain a lot but the all black skill set shone through in comparison you know to their opposites and you know you talk about that sim bidding with Adi Severe. I don't know why Michael Hooper decided not to take the shot you're only down by six points yeah you know, just to keep this, because because you know that that brings them to within a one score game. I, I do understand the ballsiness of going for the lineout, but their set piece hasn't been strong over those two games, and I didn't see that much of an improvement on Saturday night. So I would have just thought, you know, with Lola Seal looking like he was confident from the tee this week round, that that would have been the better option. But they opt not to. They don't come away with any points, and then I think it was like two or three minutes later. Um, a poor defensive read from their lock, Darcy Swain. Smith goes blindside, dummy, then back on the inside to Taylor. And then all the momentum's back with the All Blacks. And that's what we saw last week as well. So if you think back to, well, the, of course there was no yellow card, but the two tries quite quickly after half time flip things. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and, that's just, and that's what happened again this week. You know, I, I think it was quite demoralizing for the Wallabies, um, from, from what from what I saw with my own two, my own two eyes, that mm-hmm. the fact that they had the one man advantage, they'd missed out on taking any sort of points, and then bang, like quick as a flash, they find themselves down by eleven. Then with the kick to come, which made it thirteen. So yeah, but you know, I, I did talk about the skill set, and, I, and again, that was like a major improvement from last week. I don't think the All Blacks could have got any worse with their handling, but <laughs> I was particularly impressed with the forwards. You know, I've been quite critical yeah. of them over the past 12 months because off the back of what we saw at the World Cup in 2019, they got manhandled by England. And then last year, there were a couple of games where I didn't think they quite rolled their sleeves up, but they made a jump this week. And yeah. like, if you look back at a lot of those tries that the All Blacks scored, the catalyst 
was mm. from the forwards. So like if you look back to that that really awesome counter-attacking try that Vitalik scored, you know, that was from a hit yeah. from Whitelock. Uh yeah. Sevilla's try right before half time, although it wasn't directly from the shit kick from Lolo Seal, which was forced by Dolson Papali'i putting pressure on, you know, then that forced the Mwanga. Mwanga gets inside the 22 and the All Blacks score from, I think, the next bit of set piece or the next bit of play. And then the other one was where the, the Wallabies had their own scrum feed five metres out. The All Blacks won a free kick. And then Cody Saylor scores a second. So yeah. that for me, you know, like, you know, outside of some of the brilliant play, like, Adi Sevilla's break, which led to Will Jordan's try, and like the, the try I just mentioned before with Aaron Smith linking up with Taylor for his first one. I don't want to have that overlooked, you know, especially with the performance that Sam Whitelock had and the way that Bodie Retallick makes his presence felt in games. You know, I, I was just really impressed by them. Like those two for me were the standout performers, you know, and on top of, you know, you had, you had some really awesome contributions from Akira Iwani, who I thought probably had his best game in an all black jersey. Rico Iwani yeah. looked good. In the 13 jersey as well yeah. um and saying all of that though i don't know how much to take from what we saw on saturday because i don't think australia are that good mm. another two interceptions you know coach killers 14 points yeah, and yeah. they missed 20 tackles and then like you know like i just mentioned before you know that the poor clearance from lola seal leads to severe's try the poor defensive read from darcy swain down the blind side leads to taylor's first try and then even yeah. on Cody Taylor's second try, which I talked about after they won that scrum penalty, like that was just really, really lazy blindside defense from set piece. So again, like I, I don't want to be just sound like a negative Nancy all the time, but I'm I'm just so unsure of what to make of the All Blacks so far. Because you know, again, I understand they can only play what's in front of them, but I'm not trying to get too hyper, you know, from Saturday yeah. night's performance because you know Aussie might just be shit. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. Like I'm I'm on the same boat. Like it's it's hard to see how good or like judge how good the All Blacks are. You know, against such a yeah, when you when you're putting 57 points on a on a you know international team, you know, like Australia, like it's it's pretty embarrassing, and it's not a real reflection of how good I think the All Blacks are. There's still a lot of questions about you know because you know there was times in that game where I thought. Australia were really, you know, a few moments in the game where they were like really putting mm. pressure on us and we were, you know, we were caving. You know, McDermott was sniping around, you know, really, a brilliant game. really asking questions. Yeah. They had a brilliant game despite the result. Yeah. Mm. So like they were really asking questions of our like defense and um, especially in that first half, you know, like, they were exposing us throughout through the middle. And, and I thought, how are we going to like cope with the likes of the Springboks, which will be obviously the, the main challenge in this um, rugby championship because, you know, one to eight, they're just massive. So, and <laughs> yeah, I certainly wouldn't want to tackle one of them guys, but, um, you know, they're, they're going to be asking a lot of questions of our defence. So, it, and, you know, do we actually have the answers? And well, I, I guess, you know, we're only going to find out once we play them and um, see how we go, but we can't really judge them on, on their performance. It was really, really um, pleasing to see. Um, yeah, like you said before, like I thought our loose trio definitely stood up from um, uh, the first first test. I thought, yeah, as you, I heard you say, Yakiri uh, Wani's best game in the black jersey. I definitely think so. He he was outstanding, and yeah, obviously Brody and Sam Whitelock held it together for us. So. Uh, yeah, it was really good to see that, you know, we, we stuck with 
that core full pack and um it was really promising for you know a spectator side of things um to see yeah the growth we made in a week so it, yeah it's encouraging to see yeah um, going forward yeah i was just going to say bro following up from from a spectator's point of view it wasn't a very good look having half that stadium empty uh, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and obviously that i mean that's understandable to some extent you know given yeah. the fact that all blacks tickets aren't cheap and i think the reason why they wanted to just make it back-to-back auckland test was just to make it as logistically simple as possible mm. but yeah I, I, it was a, I yeah guess, it was a bit of a shame actually because um, yeah exactly I, I, we were planning on going to wellington so um yeah i, I can see how like they didn't sell out two weeks in a row but yeah you could definitely tell on tv that uh there's a few empty chairs out there eh? so yeah i was just disheartening but yeah i can definitely see logistically how they why they wanted to do that exactly so yeah like as we just touched on mate uh that second half for me was you know when they started to pour it on you know that wasn't just the rain the all blacks actually did that themselves you know, 36 points in pretty sloppy conditions and you know some of the offloading and handling was just yeah superb really but as we've just touched on are we going to get those sorts of looks against a team who is going to be playing more negatively like if if you look at the way that Australia have played the last two weeks yeah they've tried to take us up the middle through their forwards but their backs are playing with a lot of width you know maybe a little bit too much width given you know the three intercepts that they've thrown and I just don't think we're going to see that type of game from the spring box well i'm almost 99.9 percent certain that we won't so yeah. you know the, the, the our whole the whole way we approach this game you know like we you know we love to counter attack and i say we um the all blacks love to counter attack <laughs> and they like to create a spectacle or, or make the game a spectacle for the fans but you know little things around personnel and Maybe some of our tactical kicking. You know, I thought the Moonga did kick quite well. We found a lot of grass, and we seem to be going mm. to Aaron Smith a lot more, um, which is sort of following the path of a lot of the other countries in terms of relieving the pressure off first receivers and just kicking from the base. But yeah, I think Will Jordan's a great player, and I think that Severis is a great player. But the, it might be a whole different kettle of fish when they have big six foot one, six foot two, hundred kilo wingers barreling down on them. When Faf de Klerk or I think it's Kobus Reinick who's in at the moment, just putting up box kick after box kick after box kick, trying to mm. force an error and then just taking threes. And we all know that their goal kickers, you know, they've got the fact they've got Mornay Stain in their team and he probably offers nothing else but goal kicking. You know, that just shows the way that they're going to want to play this game or want to play the game against the All Blacks. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, like as much as, you know, I, I do want to give the All Blacks coaching staff and the players some praise for their improvements. I'm just I'm not not convinced that Australia is is a very good team. Um, I guess we'll have to see how they stack up, you know, when they play the other teams in the rugby championship. So for now, I guess the All Blacks coaches, you know, get a thumbs up from me. But you know that could all change in a couple of weeks' time when they come up against the World Champions. But uh, one one other point that I wanted to raise with you, bro, which was probably one of the other notable moments from the game, was Damien McKenzie's long range penalty. Oh. Yeah, that, that was the, that. No, that was the nudge and a half, and. For all the talk that there's been around, you know, whether or not he's our guy or whether we should be looking more towards Bowden or Geordie, probably more so Geordie given his super rugby form. Do you think that that kick actually added a lot to his case? Because, you know, there are a lot of guys who said, oh, you know, Geordie's the bigger body. You know, he's the one that can knock around, 
or knock out long range penalties or long long range shots at goal. Yeah. But McKenzie just stumped one from behind halfway. So yeah. Are we are we quite grasping like how significant that moment might be for him moving forward? Yeah, I think that's oh, yeah, when you're slotting it out from what was it 59 meters out, you're really yeah, making a case for yourself to st- stick around there in that starting lineup. But um it's interesting because I definitely feel that Geordie can do the same thing. So that it might have a contributing factor, but I don't think it's like enough. But in saying that, like I thought Again, McKenzie had a great game. He's he injects himself anywhere, and he's just lethal. But um, I don't know. It's it's impressive knowing that you know D Mac can do that kind of thing. Uh, but I don't think Geordie's far off, if not right up with yeah. him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I I just raised that question because that was probably one of the arguments that people who are pro Geordie um, would have thrown out there. You know that mm. that's the risk that an opposition will have to take if they're giving away penalties inside the opposition's half. And then, yep. you know, that pose, you know, Geordie Barrett poses the threat of making them pay for it with three points. But Damien McKenzie's shown that he's just as capable of kicking it. Probably not as far as Geordie. I, I think it's fair to say that he, out of those two, he probably does hit the bigger boot. But McKenzie's just as lethal from that range or ballpark range. Um mm-hmm. as, as the guy we just talked about. So, yeah, I, I, I personally think that when we come up against the South Africans I'd feel more comfortable with having Geordie Barrett back there again because we just you can't yeah. coach size but you don't fix something that isn't broken and the All Blacks have improved yeah. um, somewhat from week to week since they went up against a decent opposition in the Fijians so yeah I think I think McKenzie probably will stay in the team and get his crack against the South Africans but whether or not that's you know, that's the right call Mm. Yeah, I, I'm not too sure. I mean, again, I love me some McKenzie, but you know, like his skill set maybe isn't the best going into a game like that, where you know you, you need because he because he's a guy that likes to take risks, right? He likes to chance his arm, and absolutely, yeah. And you know, like we're, we're patting him on his ass when it when it comes off, but in a game like I think the South African one is going to be, I just feel less sick in my stomach if I saw Jordy Barrett collecting the ball from deep. And having to decide what to do with it in comparison to McKenzie, who can give me the shits from time to time. <laughs> I'm not too sure. I think um, I think this next, you know, Burzo Cup match over in Perth in two weeks. I'd like to see Geordie Barrett in the 15 jersey. I think, or something different. You know, just just to try it out and to see, like, you know, what are options. And yeah, as you say, like we can see those. Uh, Combinations and yeah, combinations. Exactly. So yeah, I don't know. I think going to a South African game, uh, I'd like to see some continuity in like our team. Like I want to see a regular fifteen out there who we know are going to perform. I think it's pretty hard to you know keep mixing and matching. I mean, I know we've got you know a stack of talent and you know seven guys on the bench. You know, I've said it before, likes of Bodie Barrett on in 22 jersey. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. But where I want to see, I want to see like a 15th that, you know, week in, week out, we know we're going to be around that just keep on performing. Because I think that's the best way for, you know, the All Blacks to, to move forward and to get results is just having those um, same combinations involved uh, every game, hoping they get it up. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, it's all we can ask for, really. But yeah, like yeah, even on the topic of thing, off on the topic of changes. Sorry, I think if you're gonna make the change for McKinsey, mm. then the, you're gonna have people singing out for a change to see Luke Jacobson start or have Bowden Barrett start at ten or move sure. other got you yeah, get George Bridge back in there. But then, like you said, I think continuity is probably something that we've lacked the last twelve months or what was it going on eighteen months now. Yeah, but I think the, the our settled fifteen needs as much time in the settle together to be as well prepared as possible for when we take on, like I've said a million times, uh, the world champions, bro. But yeah, I think that's a wrap for this recap right. podcast. So we got another two weeks before we see them take on the Wallabies again. But yeah, thank you very much again for your time over the last two episodes, and see you around. All right. Cheers, bro. I really appreciate it. Always a good time. Yeah, and I'll catch you at the gym tomorrow, bro. Sounds like a friend, bro. Later. Later, bro.